Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we're talking with Mike DiGiorgio. He is the executive producer of Good Day Rochester on 13 WHAM-TV in Rochester, New York. Mike is celebrating 30 years in the industry. He began as a producer, sidekick, and entertainment critic on news radio WHAM-1180 and has spent the past 15 years as the producer of Rochester's top morning TV news show. Welcome, Mike. Angela, how are you? Great, doing well. Yes, I'm going to jump right in. You have spent the last 30 years in the broadcast industry, which is super impressive. What has helped you stick with it that long? I I think I've always liked having my hands in what's going on Mm -hmm. and keeping very active. You You know, every morning, even though I've got a supervisory role, I'm very much in the thick of things as far as writing newscast and gathering content, et cetera. Uh, I, I like the adrenaline very much. Yeah. I was going to say the idea for me of ever uh, managing has not appealed to me in the sense of hiring, firing, scheduling folks. I'd, I'd much rather just be doing it. And we see a lot of people that, you know, stay in broadcast for many years and then eventually switch over to something else. You know, <laughs> what has kept you um, loving it? You know, one of my running jokes is the, the PR people locally probably need me too much to ever make me an offer. <laughs> to get out of it right um, it could be a great offer right <laughs> yeah I, I love i love doing it like i say um four hours a morning that we do in our good day rochester is is so time consuming and, and keeping me very busy I, I love being part of things as they're happening have you always been in rochester i have i uh i grew up in around the Syracuse area for anyone who doesn't know this probably an hour and a half from here. Um, then went to St. John Fisher college here in Rochester, uh, graduated in 1990 and have been in this market ever since. It's probably a rarity or at least. Used yes. To. Yes. You know, as a morning show producer, we'd love to hear how you plan the show and your thought process <laughs> as it's coming together. It's, it's a little bit of half and half. Uh, you can, prepare a lot in advance, which I do uh, in kind of a rough outline form. And at the same time, I can't possibly predict the news of the day right. uh, when I leave for the day. I start about three in the morning and finish about noon. Okay. Uh, what I tend to do, our show, we do four hours between our two affiliates. Uh, we do two hours on 13 Wham, which is Rochester's powerhouse news station. Uh, ABC affiliate, number one legacy station. Right. Uh, that two hours, 5 to 7 a.m. Is, is very news intensive. A lot of stories. Uh, and from 7 to 9, we do two hours on our Fox affiliate. Okay. Uh, and that's a little later. That's your features. That's your uh, live on the spot reports. It's a little more today showy, good morning America-ish. Right. So what I tend to do the day before and in some, you know, some his days in advance, put together a rough outline. I, I leave the blanks for the news. Here's where top stories of the day are going to go. Here's where interview A is going to go. Interview B is going to go. Uh, interviews I schedule a day in advance and in some cases a couple of months in advance. 
depending on when the, the pitches come to me. Sure. Uh, I'm working before I'm even out of bed. Uh, I've got a produce each of those two uh, hour chunks that I mentioned each have their own producer who handle the actual news part of it, right. laying it out, writing it. Um, 3 a.m. my alarm goes off and I'm looking at uh, a rundown. They email me while I'm still, you know, in snooze alarm mode. <laughs> right. Uh, and making suggestions on what needs to go where and what we can do different or let them know you got it exactly right. And then also be looking at the big picture of how these two shows relate to each other. What news items that we're doing in the early part are going to translate over into the seven to nine. Right. An ongoing story that we need to stay at. Uh, so a bit of preparation in advance and the other half is kind of instinct and see where we go. There are some mornings, our top story at five in the morning, or, you know, our top two, three stories at five in the morning. Sometimes by nine o'clock, there are two or three entirely different stories. Right, right. So how do you keep the show fresh each day? Obviously the news part of it is, but especially with the feature type stories and those kind of segments, how do you, how do you keep it all fresh? I try to look for uh, segments that are useful to viewers uh, and entertaining at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look for things that aren't necessarily, that don't come off as commercials. I know anybody who's coming on the air with us is selling something one way or right. another, whether right. it's a product or a service or themselves. Uh, but if, if they can come on and be experts about something and offer some useful advice or you know, ideas for what to do on the weekend, that kind of thing. As far as the news stories themselves go, it's a matter of looking ahead. Uh, the phrase that gets used around our newsroom a lot is new now next. Mm-hmm. If we're taking a story from the night before and showing it to viewers again, because it's still very top of mind, uh, start with what's next for people. Who's going to be in court later today or what information we're still looking for, or what information is going to be revealed Yeah, uh, and always push it ahead. What's it like working that early morning shift, as you mentioned? <laughs> The catchphrase is you don't get used to uh, the hours. You just get used to feeling lousy. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it's awful getting, if we could move this to later in the day, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, the, the type of show we do is, is designed for people to start their day though. So we could, we couldn't obviously do that. Yeah. An adrenaline rush takes over eventually. Uh, we're all by 9am, sometimes a little punch drunk. <laughs> when we finish this, you know, the, uh, I remember those days. <laughs> uh, the, the people who work uh, the day side part of the news come in and think we've just had a lot of fun for the morning. And it, it looks that way because we do some fun segments and we're probably acting a little goofy when they get there at nine, but we're punch drunk at that point. Yes. Um, you don't get used to it. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays sleep pattern is entirely different than what it is later in the week. Uh, my Friday nap at home, <laughs> my family knows <laughs> I'm going to be gone for a while. I'm t- All right, bye, everybody. It's Friday nap time. Preparing uh, for the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. It, you really, I like the fact that in some cases I'm working with just a smaller crew and can work uh, closer with them. I like that I go in when there's no traffic. I like that I leave when there's no traffic. I like that I've got the day ahead of me to do some things if I'm not too tired. Yeah. But it's also tough because half the world doesn't have my schedule and I'm not going to get many messages returned to me at four in the morning. Right. Yeah, that's tricky. 
you know, being a TV news producer takes a special kind of personality, someone who can handle <laughs> extreme stress, not let it phase them. How do you do it? I've had people call me the Iceman before. I think that's probably <laughs> part of my... It's a compliment, my, right? Yeah. You know, I always say the, the viewers don't notice the mistakes as much as we do in-house necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll see a, a misspelling or something, but they'll, they'll forgive that. Keep the presentation in mind, not what should have happened or even what you're picturing is going to happen. Just stay in the moment, do the best you can uh, with what you've got. Uh, the nice, well, not nice, we've got four hours to work with. Right. So I always tell myself under pressure that if there was something we could do better at five, we actually do have, unlike some other newscasts, a second, third, fourth chance to do it. Yeah. Because uh, the story is going to keep evolving. Yeah. Um, as long as you finish on time. Yes. <laughs> that's always that, a must, right? That, that, that's your deadline. And as long as you start, at, you know, the show's going to start whether you're ready or not. Right. Um, but. I, I think people are, are very forgiving of, of little things on the air. So you don't, I don't dwell on those. Yeah. You know, I always tell people that some of my best training ever with journalism or being on TV is that you can't miss a deadline. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, there's a time that you're live, whether you have the story, whatever it is. And that has, that is such a great skill to have through life and then in, in anything, you know? Yeah. I, I never think throwing a fit is going to solve anything. I, th right. I think my coworkers can think of very few instances where I've yelled. Uh, and then when I do, they know it's serious. Yes. Yeah. Who is your typical audience? And I'm sure it varies by hour and on both stations. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're aiming for the 25 to 54. I think we've, we're big in all ages. Uh, target audience uh, tends to be women for this mm -hmm. kind of show. But, but yeah, we're, we're reaching out to the 25 to 54s, and I, I think we're hitting them pretty well. Uh, families, parents, yeah. special, uh, school is a, is a big thing for us. Things like school closings, education stories, uh, what they need to know before they go out the door uh, are a big thing. So families, very much, or at least head of households uh, who can take what we do and apply it to their families. Sure. I have to ask what it was like, even if we're tired of talking about this, you know, but when the world shut down and you had to still put on a newscast, you know, how did you pivot and change to make that happen? I was one of the ones who had to keep coming in. We sent about half the staff home. I remember even sending our, our poor intern home because she wasn't an essential personnel anymore and let her know that, yeah, we're going to give you your college credit for this. Thank you. Ugh, what an internship, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Our, our feature reporter at the time, uh, we have somebody who goes out and covers, uh, you know, profile of business, profile and events, uh, things like that. Uh, and suddenly there were no events. He had to kind of become the COVID reporter. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was a matter of standing outside a plaza and talking about how they were going to be closed today. There was always news of the day, he, he, but he had to change his focus from, from what he used to do. Our photographers weren't allowed in the building uh, for the most part. Uh, so everyone was working with remote equipment. Uh, our reporters were working from home or in the field. Uh, just producers and anchors really were the only ones in the building. Uh, and it's slowly evolved so that we've got everybody back. But we know now we've got the technology and the capability to go remote again if we have to. Yeah. 
and we do as COVID, you know, somebody in the building tests positive and we have to partially go back to shut down mode again. Yeah. Is there anything you, I mean, obviously some of these things, anything you learned or changes you made during the shutdown and with COVID, you know, as it's ongoing that you will continue going forward? Uh, Zoom. I learned how good Zoom and Skype (laughs) can be. Uh, Yeah. those used to be uh, emergency backups uh, before COVID. We had the technology to do it. We did some people, some guests by Skype every once in a while, if uh, you know, in advance if they were coming into town, and so we could do an interview with them before that. And now it's standard. Uh, we st- actually still aren't allowing because uh, of our company's protocols uh, any guests into the building. Okay. So we're doing a talk show now almost entirely by Zoom. Wow. And it's, we've had to, you know, coach everybody on the other side, the, the old, yes. you know, you're, you're muted. Uh, try, try doing that on the air. That's, that's some pressure. Yeah. What that's your people, background is, what your lighting's to, like. Yeah. It's, it's not their fault. They're not broadcasters. Uh, right. I had to learn a lot about Zoom as we went to, we even, when we started um, the webcam for our Zoom was not routed to go through master control. Oh, wow. Okay. I literally took the cord to the <laughs> webcam before every interview and walked it over to the anchor's desk and said to the person on the other side, now you're not necessarily going to see them, right. but you're going to hear them. Just keep facing forward. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're there. I couldn't have the, the anchor who was, you know, designated further away in the studio doing the interview because the cord wouldn't reach that far. Right. Uh, we're not at that point anymore. <laughs> That's <you>. good. <laughs> Made advances from there. Yeah, but now I could, I totally could see where Zoom stays with us, and there's going to be people. I hope people come back in person, but I know I've got some regulars who much prefer doing this from home. Yeah, I mean, it's coming in the studio from and, them, and right. Yeah, and sitting on our couch and getting up at seven in the morning. Right. What do you wish viewers knew about TV news that they likely do not? Mm. On the local level, I, I wish they knew that we don't have any kind of agenda. Yes. There's, there's a lot of anti-media sentiment out there. Yes. Um, I'm not paid enough to be part of some vast conspiracy. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know what people are picturing us in this huddled room, <laughs> clenching your fists and <laughs> snickering that we've, you know, biased a story our way. We're wanting to tell people the truth and we want to tell people the truth as best we know it. Literally this morning, uh, we had breaking news of a very sad story, a pedestrian struck and killed uh, by a uh, police car. Um, And this was unfolding as the morning was going on. The first headline we wrote on the web was what we knew, which was pedestrian killed in incident with police car. That was all we knew, the press conference hadn't happened yet. Right. So we, we put that online and said more to come as the morning unfolds. And instantly there were comments from some folks about how we were covering up for the police. What's an incident with a police car? The, the car hit him. We didn't know that yet. Right. I, I had no reason to cover for the police. And as soon as we knew what was the case, we changed the headline. We changed the story. We're trying to help people, <laughs> you know, when, uh, when there's all the anti-media sentiment, when we're working all these extra hours um, yeah. to cover breaking news and riots and storms and everything else, I, I hope people know we're trying to help them. We're not yeah. up to anything. 
It's so disheartening and, and frustrating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I just want to get the, the newscast on the air and, right. and make it as honest as, as we know it to be. Yep. And then go home to my family. Yep. Just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> what have been some of your most memorable moments over the years? <laughs> I know I've seen a bunch on Twitter there. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, the, the big stories will always stand out. Um, the, the big tragedies that, that you cover that I won't dwell on sure. uh, too much. Because um, every once in a while, people like after a big news day, people will give kind of the opposite of what I just said about people saying we're have an agenda there's also people who mean well who say oh this must have been rough on you and it is and it was but i was safe in a studio working on a newscast i'm not out there suffering some of the tragedies personally right um on the fun side for me the the beauty and i hope we get back to it is when the entertainers come to town they would come in to be part of the second half of our show we've had some great nationally owned comedians in town musicians uh and for me being a music guy that's been great yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. an added in, bonus right that make up yeah, for not <laughs> for the pay yeah and people will often say to me you know which celebrities were the biggest jerks um uh-huh. the truth is the celebrities who are willing to get up that early in the morning and come to the station by willing being willing to do that aren't jerks yeah so it's been almost always rewarding the jerks are the ones who cancel on you in the last minute and, and say they aren't coming yeah um my most memorable story ever on the air it's tied this this would be the one i put in my book uh, when i lived in my old apartment um got up as usual as i mentioned uh you know as i mentioned you look at your phone and see what's coming up on the what the producers have scheduled and they had my street listed as like police presence there and we're uh. looking into it okay that's interesting and i look out the window and i see the police car so i go up to him and i ask you know what's going on you couldn't tell me anything yeah i started to drive to work and i got about a block and i just thought i shouldn't leave this uh, so i actually went feeling. back i went back and called work and said i'm just gonna stay here and and see what happens and sure enough the street got blocked off um, and it, it turns out that I live next door to a psychiatrist and an addictions uh, specialist okay. who was doing drugs with uh, someone who turned out to be a missing person. Uh, that person overdosed, died, uh. and my neighbor buried him in the backyard. <gasps> that all came out later, but I could see all of this unfolding literally from my attic. Wow. As, as police are, are digging and looking and the streets blocked off and the other media are not allowed down the street. So I'm also watching and taking pictures and sending them to the station. And I know the other stations are, how are they getting this? Right. How do they have this? Where is this coming from? And literally at one point, one of my photographers came to like an adjacent yard with a camera and handed it over a fence, to, turned it on because I don't know how to shoot anything, turned it on handed me the camera and I went run, you know, I went back upstairs to my attic, the camera rolling the whole time, sprayed the scene. That's <laughs> great. From there. Went running back down, gave him the camera, brought coffee to my crew who were behind the, eventually the other stations realized when I, they saw me coming out and bringing coffee to my crew. Right. They knew it. <laughs> they knew what was going on then. So I lit, I spent two days working. This was an early work from home. I spent two days working from home because I had access that nobody else did. 
I always say that story will be the, uh, the intro to my book. <laughs> I love it. Or you yeah. could go on a true crime podcast mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. I have to ask what's happened funny or maybe not so funny behind the scenes that your viewers never knew about. There's tons of little things. Um, you, you discover things where your traffic guy decides to go, uh, you know, an hour away with your mobile vehicle just because he thinks that's a good shot. Oh. <laughs> and you discover it at the last sec. Things like, things like, little things like that always stand out. Um, mornings are so strange because it's a, such a combination of the serious and the entertaining. Yeah. Um, and those are hard to mesh sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I always think uh, another example, and is when uh, I don't remember the the exact uh, crash. There was a bad crash one morning, and when when something like that happens, you have to ask your guests. You know, we're gonna have to reschedule it for another day. And Sesame Street Live was in the building hmm. to do a segment with us. I had to go tell them. You know, we under the circumstances it won't be appropriate. We've got this serious story. Yeah. The Sesame Street Live actors are only allowed to be entirely in costume, or you can see them coming in as actors, you know, carrying their costume. But there can never be a moment where, you know, Elmo takes the mask off. Okay. Talks to you. So I had to have this very serious discussion <laughs> with Elmo and Cookie Monster, who are just looking at me and nodding, fearful for their jobs that they can't take. <laughs> their gear off so I'm, telling them, I'm telling them this horrible you know whatever i don't remember the story but i'm telling this horrible story and just if you understand what i'm saying elmo go ahead and not because <laughs> they can't talk either or they would have to talk in yeah it's this weird combination of news <laughs> and show business that that happens all the time you know I, you get stuck doing things like holding the hair for uh, someone who's playing rapunzel in a play right. they came to the station if they're going to make it to the studio um I've had musicians play, and at the last minute, I learned they're lip syncing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hand me a CD, uh, and I assumed it was a backing track. Yeah. And we play it, and then I realized, oh, I didn't even tell, you know, we, we put a microphone on them and everything. Why did, why did I put oh, a microphone on you? Everybody? And they don't tell you. Yeah. Tons of things like that over the years yeah. that I'm sure I'll think of after we've uh, gotten off the air. Right. Well, what are some of your pet peeves that working with guests on the show or even with PR professionals? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the laugh, there's a lot, right? That <laughs> uh, with, with PR folks, who, and I work with great ones, I'd say understand uh, the time difference uh, mm-hmm. that we're dealing with, that I work you know, three in the morning till noon. If you send me something afternoon, I, I'm probably not going to get to it right away. Right. Uh, and it also means because of the nature of the show we're doing in the morning, I'm probably also not going to see it till after eight or nine in the morning. Right. So if you get that, hey, did you happen to see this from last night? <sighs> I, I can only do so much when I sleep. Right. <laughs> I, I will look at that eventually. Um, and I understand they've got clients who are demanding. Understand that while maybe you've got the one, I've got three or four guests coming on with me any particular morning. Right. So I've got to take them one by one uh, and understand if you're booked already, uh, we don't need to have a meeting. We're all set. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You're good to go. You're, you're good to go. And uh, we, we don't do a lot of questions in advance um, right. because of the nature of the show we do. I like it to be a laid back conversational thing. So understand that I'm, I, I'm not going to send you a list of questions ahead of time because we just want your natural reaction. Nothing, nothing rehearsed. Um, 
and make sure your client wants to do it. Every so often you get somebody on the air, you get a feeling somebody pushed them into this. Mm-hmm. They sound very rehearsed or not aware of what they're doing or they'll ask, you know, when does this air? And it actually, you know, just did. Oh, goodness. Where you can tell somebody in the office thought this was a good idea, but make sure your expert and your spokesperson also thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be much better. Nice. Yeah. Before we go, I have to ask, you, know, you mentioned being a music lover and I saw through Twitter that you're also a Beatles fan. Yeah. So I have a beloved aunt who recently passed away and she was oh. an extreme fan as well. Um, and I haven't watched the new Disney Plus series yet. I'm not as much of a fan. <laughs> so should I? <laughs> it's a, she would have loved it. I'm, I'm okay. sorry to hear about her loss. Um, I would recommend to anybody who's not a Beatles fan, pick an hour or two of it to watch. It's eight hours long. Wow. It's fascinating to see the behind the scenes stuff and see stuff develop. Um, Even for me, I'm glad it was in three parts. I needed to watch it with some breaks in there. Yeah. It's great to watch the creative process and and some history being made. And maybe you would get hooked on it. Uh, But I would not. (laughs) Don't start (laughs) it thinking you're going to watch all eight hours. And start with the first one or two hours. Or is there another part that's, you know, you could, I, you could jump in anywhere, honestly. Okay. Um, I know it's, it's, it's on demand. You can start it from wherever you want. Maybe watch part three. Cause that has the famous uh, performance of them up on the roof. Okay. So at least uh, if you're not into the behind the scenes stuff, you, you do get the music. Sounds great. Yeah. That's what Thank I you do for that advice. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it was wonderful having you on today and I hope to work with you in the future. Yeah. Let me know, Angela. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. You can find Mike on Twitter at MikeDeGiorgio13 and check out his work at 13WHAM.com and live on Good Day Rochester. That's all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.